Well, there's only a handful of us here this morning, so it probably doesn't take as long as normally we would like to linger and give everyone the chance to be greeted and to greet one another. But um, uh, this morning, we're just going to go ahead and move right along. And you may have noticed um, that Rusty is not up here, uh, that it's me. And you can just chalk that up to 2020, uh, to the big, giant, year-long dumpster fire that we've all been experiencing together. And um, uh, this morning uh, is no exception. Uh, we're kind of coming in here knowing that God is sovereign and He's in control and that uh, from His Word we have something to glean. And from His Spirit delivering that to our heart, um, He can take this truth and not only change us but change the world. And so uh, that is the only confidence that I have this morning. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that you're here. We're going to be spending our time together this morning in a, a very small passage of Scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. I'll give you a second to turn there. We're just going to kind of take, take a little detour here, and hopefully, uh, I'm hoping that Rusty will be um, uh, coming next week to expound and go further on this with a lot of the truth that he prepared, but as, um, as I was praying and, and some others of us were praying, um, we kind of, uh, we came on, uh, settled on something that we just thought, hey, this is, this is something that the Lord has for us. So in the short little passage of Scripture we're about to read together, it's very succinct and very nonchalant, yet in it we have the threat of tragedy, refuge, and the promise of redemption all together. And that is a beautiful picture of the truth we have of the gospel. So let's read this together. Now when they had departed, now we'll pause right there, the they in this context would be the wise men, if you'll remember from last week. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that we know that love without question because of how you demonstrated it through your Son. You promised to renew and unite all things in Christ. You sent him to dwell among us, Emmanuel, God with us. And as we celebrate that beautiful coming of our Lord and the arrival of our King at Christmas, let us be reminded this morning of his rule and his reign, uh, of his love, of our belonging to him, and what that means for us. Father, we pray uh, that as these truths grip our heart and you transform our minds, that you would use us as instruments of your glory, all for the beautiful and wonderful name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, 
as I mentioned, I think we can all acknowledge that 2020 has been an experience, right? I mean, part of the whole deal is that the things that we're experiencing right now, no one could have expected. No one saw it coming. No one had some kind of plan for how to navigate this. It just was on us. And yet, we have this, this realization that here we are in a situation we never wanted to be in, and yet we must move on. We must continue to go this way. I uh, actually was, was hearing uh, different people talk about what they were doing for Christmas coming up, the plans that they were making, how they were going to celebrate. Uh, we tried to come up with some ideas to um, help some of our MC leaders and other people think about how you could be intentional about connecting. Um, our family uh, got kind of creative and did some things via Zoom. But one that really took the cake was I heard that um, there was a virtual Santa that was available. There was a website charging $50 for a family of up to three kids where they could get on a Zoom call with a Santa Claus. And for an additional fee, you could record that Zoom call so that you could save it for your uh, future viewing, I suppose. Now, that was a new one for me. That was, that was one that was absolutely uh, uh, something that I don't think anybody would have seen coming outside of uh, 2020. Um, the, uh, other examples in our, in our headlines are, are looking at the fact that we have um, just this incredible amount of anxiety and upheaval and unrest um, as we look at uh, the, just the landscape of what our culture is experiencing right now with real threats of danger to life, uh, with things like this, the unavoidable rising numbers of um, COVID, coronavirus cases, um, the disruption of things as we know it coming from things like this RV bomb in Nashville that um, just is such a reminder of how at any time there can be this great tragic thing that could threaten life and at least life as we know it. I know many people are having a hard time right now even uh, being able to communicate with their cell phones. Uh, some transactions at businesses are being affected. Uh, we have political leaders that will do anything to gain or maintain power and at whatever cost. Um, it's, it's obvious that they don't really care about the well-being of everyone as much as they care about um, the position that they could be in and how that might affect. It's just, it's hard to have any kind of sense of peace, any kind of sense of being okay. Um, even the fact that this morning, uh, I'm, I'm standing here, um, was something that was just, that was unexpected. And, and for you guys, um, if you would, just be in prayer for the Langford family. They've got some illness in their home, and so Rusty was unable to be here. And we talked uh, yesterday, and kind of yesterday afternoon uh, came to uh, the point of uh, uh, us knowing that um, he wasn't going to be available to preach today. And um, i got to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be up here, <laughs> speaking of 
not, not being normal. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not prepared, and I don't, I don't feel confident in, in the, the things that I've got down on paper, but I am confident of this. The sovereignty of God and His redemptive plan is the one sure thing that we can all cling to. And if anybody knows this feeling of having their world turned upside down and on its head, it's got to be Joseph. We can look at this passage this morning and just realize Joseph, just a few months prior to this, was a young carpenter who was engaged to be married. And he probably had plans of what his life was going to look like and how that was going to go. He was probably busy working to establish himself and to grow in his business and to be able to take care of his family. And he probably had no idea that an angel from the Lord was going to come to him and let him know that the woman that he was engaged to be married to was pregnant with God's son and that he should marry her anyway, that he would have to navigate all of the complexities that come through that, all the shouldn't be this ways that are a part of that message. And then, as if that weren't enough, Jesus comes and instead of everything going back to the normal status quo on the other side of that, once again, he's visited by an angel of the Lord who lets him know, hey, you've got to take off, take your family, and flee to Egypt because the ruler of your area is going to be searching for your baby to kill it. Now that sounds pretty crazy. Um, so as much of a roller coaster as it's been for us over this season and over this year, I think we can look to Joseph and how God led him through this situation, and then even better look to Jesus and his faithfulness to help us know how we can navigate, what we can cling to, and, and how we can rest in the redemptive plan of God even during this time. So, When we look back in verse 13, we see that the wise men had just come and they had just departed, and an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. With these instructions, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And all that we have to go from is the response of Joseph in his obedience. What we don't have is the ability to enter into his mind and to know what that would have felt like at that moment. We don't uh, know what he could have been thinking of or how he was experiencing this disruption of life. Um, but we see that he has one response, and that is that he rose up, took the child and his mother, and departed to Egypt. So we know this from Joseph, is he's had the opportunity to learn from God um, that, that he can be trusted through this ordeal. So in God's graciousness in speaking to Joseph um, through angels and through his dreams, he has seen God declare things to him and require things of him and then seen God deliver on the other side. 
And perhaps I give myself too much credit or I don't give Joseph enough credit because I would be so bold to think, well, if an angel of the Lord came to me in a dream, then I'm pretty sure I would be obedient too. I mean, that's a no-brainer. I would just get up and, and take off. Um, but the reality is I, I have clear revelation from the Lord in his word that he gives me guidance and instruction to all of the time that I do not have the ability to respond to with faithfulness outside of uh, his provision for me to do so. And so I found myself thinking, wow, here's the situation where Joseph's life has been disrupted, where Joseph's night has been disrupted, woken up in the middle of the night, and the clear call to obey the warning and the guidance of the Lord, and he responds by doing so. And I think to myself, what would have happened had he not gone? What would have happened if Joseph didn't quickly and immediately respond by going and grabbing Mary and Jesus and taking off? And I, I quickly came to the conclusion that uh, because of God's sovereignty, things would have still unfolded how they needed to. And yet, I, I believe it was a gracious gift from God for him to uh, speak into Joseph's life and allow him to be able to have the faith and the confidence to trust him in that moment and to see how uh, that would be used. And so Joseph knew nothing but the trustworthiness of God in this moment. He didn't know how God was going to deliver them. He didn't know how much time it was going to take, when it was going to take. All he knew is that he could trust the Lord. And so he got up and he went. And when, when God told him, here's your role, gather the woman and child and go and wait, we find out that that is what um, Joseph does. So we know that we can trust God in his redemptive plan. Now, the, the next part is he gets this beautiful opportunity to participate in God's redemptive plan. And he had everything he needed to do so. So here's Joseph going from the simple mundane life of being a carpenter who was going to get married to being in a position where God was using him to take the would-be savior of the world and king of all creation and be able to take him to this place in Egypt in order for him to be able to fulfill what Scripture had prophesied and also to be able to carry out the mission of God that he had set forth for him. What incredible honor and privilege that is. And it wasn't because anything special about Joseph. He hadn't done anything to earn that. He was, he was just simply a tool that God had decided to use for that. And God had given him everything that he needed in order to do that. He had given him the instruction. He had given him the guidance. And he had given him the command to follow. And, and I, I take that information and I think to myself, that's me. I am Joseph. I have been given a command. 
I haven't done anything to earn it, and yet I get to play a part in God's redemptive plan to, to take Jesus, the Savior, and take him to everyone to be able to be a part of the giant culminating plan that is playing out in history for God's redemptive uh, history. So we see, we see Joseph being able to participate in God's redemptive plan, and what we might need to take a look at is that God, again, he provided everything that he needed. It's interesting to me to, to have it pointed out when I was studying and looking um, that the unexpected visitors of the wise men who had just departed before this, and the fact that they had brought these very interesting gifts and given uh, them to Jesus, uh, it, it could be speculated that these gifts could have actually provided some of the provision needed for Joseph and Mary to be sustained on their journey and during their stay in Egypt. And we don't know exactly how long they were there in Egypt. Um, there's some speculation. It could have been a, a number of years even, uh, but at the very least, it was a few months. And we have Joseph traveling there. They're basically refugees. They don't know where they're going to be staying. There is a community of, um, uh, of people there that they can likely uh, find a place to, to navigate these difficulties together. But uh, again, he's, he's a tradesman who has um, been separated from the place where he earns his trade. Um, and he's very unsure of how things are going to be provided. Uh, but yet, the Lord has given these portable gifts that actually have great value and worth that um, can be used in order to um, help them carry out what God has asked them to do. And I, I think to myself um, about how we're given these very special spiritual gifts. We're given spiritual gifts and we're given a giftedness in how God has just endowed us uh, to be able to carry out the things that he's asked us to do. And I often look at the things that he's given me as, as things that would be used for my enjoyment or for furthering me and, and my endeavors uh, and things like that. And yet we see uh, that in this situation, uh, there, there's this clear parallel that, that he's called uh, Joseph to join in the mission uh, of his redemptive plan, and he's provided a way through the gifts that he's been given for him to take part in that. So um, we see that, that Joseph is getting the opportunity to uh, participate in this plan, and all he knows is that God told him to go and then told him to wait. And I think that we find ourselves right now in this season of unrest and unsurety um, we find ourselves just kind of in a position that's maybe a little similar to how they felt. They didn't know when this threat was going to end and that they would be able to return to the life that they knew. They didn't know uh, when normal was going to happen. And as we continue to talk about the new normal and, and trying to get used to how things are, I think if you're like me, you could find yourself being in a position where you're tempted to just wait and wonder 
but not see the promise of God's redemptive plan being unfolded in this time. Even so boldly as to say that the, the very thing that we're afraid of is being used by God to carry out his redemptive plan. Uh, it's, it's crazy to me that something like the threat of your little baby's life causing you to flee to this, this country for refuge was actually part of how God was going to show all of history that Jesus is who he said he was. It's a pivotal part of, of how he's going to be able to point to the meta-narrative of Scripture that is laid out. As we can see in this verse, the, the prophet Hosea is quoted, and that's where we find the out of Egypt I called my son. And Matthew goes, goes to a great deal of trouble to over and over again point to the Old Testament uh, more so than any other gospel, and showing and connecting the dots for us how the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus being Jesus. And, and some people say, well, this wasn't a prophecy that was fulfilled, but I believe it was intentional for Hosea to say um, that this is the connection of showing that, that Jesus is the new Israel. Jesus is going to mirror what we see, the unfaithfulness and the inability of Israel to, to be faithful um, all through the Old Testament, we're going to see that turned upside down and see Jesus doing everything that Israel failed to do. And we get to see that unfold over, over this time, but this is, this is one of the first times that, that it's pointing to that. And so from a seeming tragic threat that disrupted Joseph's life and caused him to, um, to be brought into this um, position that nobody would want to be in, you actually see that not only was God working in spite of it, but that God was intentionally using that very thing for something much bigger than, than he could have imagined. And I think our tendency right now is to think, well, Maybe God can work in spite of the things that are going on. Uh, maybe God can work in spite of these horrible inconveniences and the way that we're having to navigate. Instead of us thinking that through this very circumstance, the will of God and his unfolding redemptive plan is moving forward. It's unthwarted. It's not, it's not something that, that has put some kind of chink in the... The, the, the beautiful plan that God has laid out, but instead it is something that even though it's evil and broken and messed up, it's part of what God is intentionally using for his glory and for his will and for the, re the redemption and the uniting of all things to himself. So we can, we can look at this time uh, that, that we're in, in in this history and we can think the way that we respond to where we are right now is going to be able to point to the redemptive plan of our Lord. And so, and so what looked like turmoil in Joseph's life, in Joseph's life was all part of carrying out God's plan. And when we understand 
when we understand this for what it really is, we, we might be tempted to take a look at Joseph and, and think, wow, there's our example. Look at the obedience of Joseph. Look at the way um, he responded to what God asked him to do. I sure do aspire to be like Joseph, to go and to um, be able to, on a whim, have that kind of obedience to take my family and move towards what God had asked me to do. And I think we can glean something from that. But I think what we see here uh, even more um, poignantly is that in, in the midst of nothing that could be counted on, God was not only in control, but he was showing that the way that he was taking Joseph and Mary and Jesus through what they were experiencing served a much bigger story. And in our lives, when we're looking at the things that we experience, we look at how it affects our story. I take the events of Christmas time and I, I shape it to fit inside of my experience and my story. And I think to myself, this isn't how it's supposed to be because it's keeping me from doing the things that I want to do, from feeling the things that I want to feel, from being with the people that I want to be with. There's supposed to be something different, but I'm looking at it in terms of how it's affecting me and how it is fitting into part of my story. And I look at, at parts of my story that I wish were different and parts that I wish weren't there and parts that uh, I'm longing for to be there again. And I'm just thinking as things unfold, this is, this is my story. This is, I, I want my story to be different. And we all have a tendency to do that. And yet, what God is showing us here in this, in this instant is, sure, the story of Mary and Joseph they, they were experiencing tremendous impact from, from what was going on in their life. But the story of God's unfolding redemptive plan was not affected. Their story was inside of that story. And we oftentimes um, talk about the importance of, of seeing ourselves in the story of God. Because our tendency is always to look at the world through the lens of how things affect me? What is happening for me? And to see ourselves as part of God's unfolding story and where we are in this time, we realize that the opportunity we have is to, through our adversity, through uncertainty, through everything else, to have the privilege of being led by God into His redemptive plan. And and even though our story is much different than, than where Joseph was at that time, it, it's no less meaningful or important or less important uh, for us to see ourselves in the story. Because you see, the pure fact that God chose us, that He redeemed us, that He has made us a people set apart for His glory, and that he is wanting to use us, even in the midst where we could be blending in like everyone else and, and navigating 2020 like everyone else, he has set us apart 
for a different purpose. And that purpose is to see ourselves as part of his redemptive plan and join into that, to enter in with the perspective of, of the fact that we have a king who came, who has established his kingdom. It's unshaking, and that he's returning to completely realize this kingdom, that we have the, the specific privilege of being ambassadors for that kingdom, that have been brought in and, and grafted into this story. And, and all of the little stories that are our lives all come together to join into this big, beautiful story that's unfolding. And, you know, I get it, guys. We're, we're all longing um, for some kind of sense of normal and a return to the, the way things were. And, you know, there's a lot of jokes about 2020 ending and 2021 coming up and people are super excited and saying, well, hopefully, you know, it's got to be better than this last year and um, all that sort of thing. But I just have to ask us, is, is that the hope that we're looking for? Are we looking for a hope of returning back to the way things were? Have we fooled ourselves into thinking that just because it was better than what we're experiencing now, that that's the greatest hope that we can experience? To be able to return back to our routines, return back to our conveniences, return back to the way things were. Have we really bought into the lie that that is the kind of redemption that we're looking forward to? Is that, is that what it is that, that we're just going to sit and wait for and hope that God sends us that? And only then will we be satisfied? Only then will we be able to shift from our, our, our stasis and, and then be able to participate in the mission God has us on? Or are we going to see that regardless of how God chooses to unfold things over the next coming years, that our role in his redemptive plan does not change? Just like Joseph was given this command to go out, we were given a command to go out. We were, we were told as his church, as the body of Christ, we were to go out and make disciples and teaching them to obey all the things that Jesus commanded and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and that doesn't change because of our circumstances, but instead it's actually fulfilled through our circumstances. And so even though we're waiting for getting back to a new normal, I think what we're really longing for is something that we've never experienced. We're longing for the true shalom uh, that will be the reality when Christ returns. We are longing for uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the peace, and the joy, and all of those things that, that now give us a taste, uh, that we're longing for those to be the way that we experience life, for those, for those things to be established as the norm, as we're God's people, and, and as we live with him as our God and us as his people. And so there is a sense that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Uh, we mourn the loss of life because we know that 
God's design for us is eternal life. And when we taste a little bit of joy, we don't want it to end. We want more because we know deep down inside of us that God created us to, and to have a joy that comes from fully knowing Him and fully experiencing Him for all that He is. And when we're longing for peace and there's this anxiety and this turmoil all going on, it's because we know deep down inside He's created us to, to know that with Him is perfect peace and that all fear is cast aside, to know His love and to experience it fully. And so, while we're tempted to look at the faithfulness of Joseph and how he was able to, to navigate the journey that God had for him, and we'll, we'll see more and more in the coming passages uh, of how that unfolds as, as God is um, preparing the way for Jesus to begin to declare his kingdom and who he is. Um, but what we really want to understand in all of this is being in Christ now means that all the things are true that will be true. The fact that we can know that Jesus is coming to fully bring his kingdom to bear, that all things will be done on heaven, on earth as they are in heaven, and there will be a new earth and a new heaven that we will get to experience. All of the things that are true that will happen are true now in Christ and are unshakable. I am sometimes finding myself lamenting that the realities that we experience fall so short of the beautiful creation that I know that one day we'll be in. And sometimes I can take comfort in knowing that I will be delivered from where I am to that perfect glory. And I just want to wait and ride it out. I take comfort in that. I can, I can trust in that. Um, but yet, there is a sense in that the same things that I will experience then are available to me now in Christ. And by taking my eyes off of only thinking about how it will come and remember that it has come is the way that I can experience the deliverance that has been brought to us now. And so I wonder, if we, if we look at the faithfulness of Jesus, who is the new Israel, and as we see in our text that he's calling him out of Egypt, I called my son. And we remember, uh, we remember Israel being in bondage. That they were in Israel, they were in Egypt, they were captives, and that God would, would send someone to deliver them so that they could worship him. And yet we see 
that when they left what they thought was their captivity, they realized that they still weren't delivered from what was really holding them captive. They escaped the threat that they could focus on, that they thought was keeping them from what they needed, uh, that, would, that would be the hope that they had. They would get away from this oppression that they were in and they would be delivered. And yet they found that once they left that, the new normal, they were still held captive by the sin that couldn't be defeated. We are in a situation where we are praying and hoping to be delivered from what's holding us captive. And if that's what we're putting our hope in being delivered from, then we're going to find ourselves on the other side of that, still being held captive by something that doesn't fulfill. And so I pray that uh, we would understand that this, uh, this short little side note, these three verses, um, they're not all about Joseph. Sure, we, we uh, acknowledge and see how God used him and how he was obedient, but we don't, we don't look at the Christmas story and celebrate the obedience of Joseph or look at the Christmas story and lament over the hardships that he faced. Excuse me. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And yet in our own lives, we look at ourselves, we, we celebrate our obedience or we focus on our lack of obedience, um, and we, we lament over our hardships, we look at the trials that we have and the things that come up, and yet we take our eyes off of Jesus, who, who the story is all about. So uh, I would just say this morning um, that the fact that Jesus came, that he was the promised Messiah, that he was the one who fulfilled all of the righteousness of the law, that he was the one who bore the penalty that we deserved, that he was the one who defeated and conquered death, our greatest threat, our greatest fear, that he rose victoriously, and that the message being proclaimed of his gospel through his spirit makes us his children should change and shape the way that we experience everything that we're going through. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that uh, right now you would overcome the inadequacy and the stumbles of my words, that you would take these poorly connected thoughts and that you would bring forth from them the truth, the beauty of who Jesus is and what he has done and what that means for us. I pray that we would um, see ourselves as set apart, holy, used for the purpose of your glory, and that we would not despise the situation that we find ourselves in, that we would see your command clearly before us, that we would feel the safety of belonging to you and being in Christ, that we would cherish the privilege of being a part of your redemptive plan 
that we would long for not something less than you and being satisfied by you completely, but that we would long for um, being your people, seeing your reign crush finally and completely the head of the serpent, destroy all the brokenness, separate us from all of this evil, and bring us into beautiful, perfect relationship with you. We know that that's done through Christ and Christ alone. We know that it doesn't hinge on our obedience and our willingness to uh, play a part in your story, but that it has been settled, it has been determined, it has been established, and it will come. We thank you. We praise you. It's the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, this morning as we um, come to our time at the table, I, I ask that you would just close your eyes for a moment and, and think with me, consider some things that we would, in light of this truth of, of um, who Jesus is, the promised Messiah, just asking ourselves, are, we, are you a follower of Jesus? Have you put all of your faith, the full weight of your right standing with the Father in the Son? Are you relying on anything other than His finished work for your righteousness? As you're thinking about that, ask, are there other idols or other things that I'm clinging to and putting my hope in in this world? Am I discontent with the role God has me playing in His redemptive plan and where He has me and what's going on? What do I need to repent of in this moment? What is the Spirit revealing to me? What truth about who Jesus is and what He's done do I need to cling to and see and believe more clearly and more passionately in this moment? Just ask the Spirit to highlight that. And now, let us go to the table together and spend some time uh, sharing with one another and encouraging one another with the truth of who Jesus is.